Several weeks ago, uh, Laura and I were a part of uh, one of our high school ministry mission trips that went to Haiti. And uh, it was an incredible, incredible week, an incredible experience. We saw uh, over 2,000 Haitian children that came to the kids' city camps that we were a part of running. And uh, we saw over 200 kids that gave their lives to Christ for the very, very first time um, while we were down there. It was an incredible, really incredible experience. And um, we were a part of a, a team of high school students. Uh, there's 36 of us students and leaders. Uh, let me just say this, the Agape Campus, our Agape Church down in Port-au-Prince, Haiti is doing an incredible job, uh, really so great as they're living out the, the mission down there. Uh, our Kids City ministry is absolutely amazing, right? Not only are, are, they, are they living it here and, and literally changing the fabric of, of our communities, uh, but they literally are changing the world as well. And to get to hang with those high school students over the course of that week uh, just gave me great hope that the future of the church is in great hands as well. And so we were a part of this team. And it was 36 students and, and a handful of leaders uh, that got to go. And what we realized um, just before we left was that most of the students on our trip had never left the country before, um, which maybe could have been an issue had we uh, learned that a little bit earlier, but it was no big deal. Uh, there were a few students though, that we also discovered as we were about to get on the plane had never flown before. And uh, that was a little bit more of an issue in the, in the moment of it. And so we got on the plane and uh, um, I sat next to a student that uh, had never been on a plane before before and we had a, we had a flight from uh, from here to Florida it was actually it was a very easy flight he did an incredible job right he just he the, the pilot was great the flight was great we landed and uh, and I turned to him and I said what was your favorite part of the flight and he said being on the ground and <laughs> I was like you got three more right like I know you're in for a long a long long week but you know what it's like right to be in that place where you're either doing something new or doing something that that is difficult or that you're afraid of right and all of a sudden that worry begins to to creep in. And when you're worried about something, all of a sudden the worst case scenario stuff, right, is what, is what starts to come to mind. Like what if I'm in the bathroom and the, the tail section breaks off, right, of the plane? And, and if I get sucked into the atmosphere, will I lose consciousness? And will I wake up with like 30 feet left just to find out for the last like two seconds, intense terror and then incredible pain, right? Like is that, is that what's going to happen? Or maybe it's worrying about if I fall asleep in the aisle when the, uh, when the flight attendant comes by with the drink cart, because you know that they're targeting you, right? Like five points for an elbow, 10 for a head, right? Like you know they're, they're keeping score somewhere on the plane. There's a, a little scorecard that they're keeping score of. It reminded me of the pastor that, uh, that he flew a lot and, uh, and got nervous when he would fly. And so he would, he would often pray out loud and he would pray in Jesus' name, send your angels to hold the plane up. And the lady that was sitting next to him said, you don't need to worry when it's your time, it's your time. And he said, I know. He said, what I'm worried about is when it's the pilot's time, right? <laughs> so, like Jesus, hold, hold this plane up, right? We, we all worry, we all experience it in our lives to different degrees, right? And I'm not, as we talk about this today, not minimizing those that are dealing with anxiety that may be from a, a chemical basis or whatever, but we all deal with worry in our lives. In fact, 500 years ago, a philosopher said this, my life has been filled with terrible misfortune most of which never happened, right? And we understand that. We can relate to that because most of the things that we worry about, they don't happen in our lives. In fact, a study was done that proves this. And then in this study, they took subjects and they had them write down what their worries were for a period of time. And then they had to identify which of those imagined misfortunes actually happened in their lives. 85% of the subjects that took part in that study said that the things that they were worried about 
never happened. 85% of those things never happened in their lives. And the 15% that did happen, the 15% of things they worried about, 79% of the, of the subjects discovered that either they could handle the difficulty better than they expected, or they learned a lesson from it that was actually beneficial to their lives. And so the end result was this, is that 97% of what you worry about is not much more than your fearful mind punishing you with exaggerations and misrepresentations. See, this series is called The Answer. And we've been looking at the fact that Jesus asks a lot of questions. It's one of the teaching tools that he uses most often. And looking at this series and looking at the questions that Jesus asked, what we're discovering is a couple things. One is this, is that the questions that Jesus asked people 2,000 years ago are just as relevant to us today. And the second is this, is that Jesus, Jesus is the answer. In week one, a few weeks ago, we looked at the question, who do you say I am? And we said, this is the most important question that we will have to answer. Every single one of us at one point, we are going to have to answer this question and how you answer it doesn't just determine your future. It's not just an eternity thing after you die, but it impacts now and it impacts how we live here. Last week, we looked at the question, do you want to get well? Because we all have stuff in our lives, right? Things that we can't fix, things that we can't change on our own. And we looked at the fact that, that Jesus can when we're willing to trust him with those things. Today, we're gonna answer this question, why do you worry? And see, the real question isn't, isn't are you a worrier, right? Like that's not the real question in this. The real question is, what do you do when you worry? Because we all do it. Some of us, right, are worried that we're never gonna get married. Some of us are, are worried that we are, are going to get married, right? And what, what if I choose poorly, right? Like, that's a long time. Like, I should worry about that. What if my child doesn't keep up academically? What if my teenager rebels, right? What if they choose to go to the fill-in-the-blank college that you don't want them to go to, right? Like, if Pastor Mike was here, you know Carolina fans, he'd be picking on you. You get a week off because he's not here yet, but he's coming back. I'm just, I'm just warning you. Maybe it's this. What if I can't find a job? Or what if my job doesn't pay the bills? Or what if I can't afford to retire? Or depending on where you live, should I get a golf cart, right? I call kinds of things that, that we ask and that we worry about. And I get it. Ty got his driver's license this past week and uh, it created a whole new set of worries in our house. Uh, for Laura, she began worrying about his safety. I began worrying about how we were gonna pay for the insurance, right? Because it like, it like doubled overnight. I'm like, this is, this is ridiculous. He hasn't even hit anybody yet. Like, I don't even know how we do this. On Monday, he starts, he starts his senior year of high school. Laura's worried about where he's gonna go to college. I'm worried about how we're gonna pay for it, right? Like, I'm like, I'm like how, are we gonna, how are we gonna do this? We all worry. Let me give you a working definition of worry. It's assuming a responsibility that God never intended for you to have. That's what worry is, right? It's assuming a responsibility for something that God never intended you to, to worry about, never intended for you to be in control of. It's not something for you to do anything about. Worry wants you to do a couple things. It always wants you to try and either change the past, right, which we know is impossible, and yet a lot of us still worry about things that have already happened, things that, that, that people have said or things that people did, mistakes that we made in the past, stuff that we can't change. We can't go back and do it over, and yet we worry about it. Or worry causes you to try and control the future. Again, things that you can't do anything about. You can't go into the future. You don't have control over most of what is going to happen in your life. The only thing that worry does actually do is it pollutes your present. 
right? It makes you go to this place. It makes you miserable. It makes you lose your joy and lose perspective of what really matters in the moment because we're focusing on the past or we're focusing on the future. The reality is, I think, in our lives is it's not usually just the big things. It's often more the little things that tend to distract us, tend to be the source of where we worry. And it takes more than just saying, I'm not going to worry because Jesus told me not to worry, right? Like that sounds great, but we know that that's, it's not as simple as that. So how do we deal with worry in our lives? If you have your Bible, I'd love for you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. That's where we're going to hang out today for this message. Uh, Matthew 6, verse 25 is where we're going to be. Let me uh, uh, let you know, if you didn't bring a Bible with you, that's okay. You can follow along on the side screens or you can download our app as well. We've got some notes there. Let me give you a little bit of background. Matthew 6 is actually in this part of the, the gospel of Matthew that's called the Sermon on the Mount. And, and this is uh, the first sermon that Jesus shared with us that we know of, that we have written down. Sermon on the Mount is actually three chapters long. It's Matthew chapter five, six, and seven. So we're kind of jumping into the middle of it here. And you may wonder, well, why is it called the Sermon on the Mount? Well, Matthew actually tells us it's because Jesus was on a mountain and he gave a sermon, right? Like it was very, sometimes the Bible's very clear. And then that's really, that's really what happened here. Now the Sermon on the Mount is, it's incredible. You really should read it because it covers several different topics, right? It talks about how we live a life that is dedicated to and, and pleasing to God. It talks about how we are to live in relationship with each other, a life full of love and grace and wisdom and discernment. Basically for a follower of Jesus, it tells us how we should live our lives. So if you're looking for something to read this week, I would encourage you to read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter five, six, and, and seven. We're just gonna take a look at a few verses today in Matthew chapter six, beginning at verse 25. Here's what it, Jesus said. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? See, Americans... As Americans, we spend a lot of time focusing on the whole body image thing, don't we? I mean, it's everywhere. We're constantly bombarded with images or thoughts or things, right? It's just one of those things, whether it's from the exercise side of things, where we pay crazy amounts of money for gym memberships that most of us don't use, right? Or, or maybe it's for a piece of equipment that we do use for about a month, and then it becomes a place to hang laundry on, right? Or, or just takes up space so I can't park in the garage anymore until we sell it at about a third of the cost of what we bought it for on Craigslist, right? And, that, and, that, and that's true for a lot of us. Or maybe it's the clothing side of things. Most of us have way too many clothes, right? Our, our closets are packed. We have stuff in, in bins, in storage, in the garage, in the attic. But not, for most of us, I would bet not a week goes by where there isn't at some point where you're worrying about what you're going to wear. Maybe you've even faced the worst question ever, right? We're talking about questions in this series. Worst question ever, does this outfit make me look fat, right? Like that's the worst question ever because that's the only legitimate question you're allowed to worry about because there is no win in that question. It's a trap. In fact, it says it right in the Greek, right? Like you can't, you can't escape that question. Jesus tells us here, do not worry. And he hits a couple of very practical examples. Now, I wonder why did Jesus choose worry? Because if I'm honest, right, there's a lot of things in my life that, that seem to be way worse, right? Worse things that I should probably stop doing. Some of them even going back to what we talked about last week that just seem more important. But Jesus chose do not worry. Maybe because it's something that we all do. Show of hands, any worriers here? Any, anybody, any worry? 
Don't lie in church, God will kill you, right? He will, he, he's done it before. I mean, not here, not here, but in the Bible, right? Like he's, yeah, not here that I know of, uh, right? And, and if you're here, if you didn't put your hand up and you're like, think you're perfect, I bet you're a blast to hang out with, right? Like, I, like I'm sure, right? Like, like we know, how many of you were worried about what was gonna happen if you put your hand up, right? And so you were like, I, didn't, I don't know what to do. Yeah, we worry, we all do. Maybe it's because worrying has pretty devastating effects on our life. It affects our health, right? You know, it affects our appetite and it affects our sleep. It affects relationships, job performance. And so what happens is to try and find relief, to try and, and, and deal with it in some way, we add other harmful things, whether it's overeating or smoking or overspending or overworking, right? And we try to compensate. We try to control certain areas of our lives because there's areas of our lives that are out of control. We sabotage our own goals. We sabotage our own lives by worrying. See, worrying also affects our priorities. You don't have to put your hand up for this. But in this past year, have you ever worried about these things? Have you ever worried about a relationship? At any point in this past year, did you worry about a relationship? Did you worry about work or school? How about your finances? Any point this year, do you worry about finances? What about the future? Our government? Terrorism? What other people think? Worry about your looks, your reputation, your health? How many of you worried about all of those things? At one point, at some point this year, right? The average person, I I read this, it it blew my mind. The average person spends 14.3 hours a week worrying. 14.3 hours a week, right? Like that's like almost an entire waking day, right? Like like that's, I remember God saying we were supposed to take a day to rest. I don't remember him saying take an entire day to, to worry about things. Imagine what you could do if you had an extra 14 hours in your week that you weren't having to worry about things. Worrying also affects our relationships. I read a study that said this, 42% of people are unhappy with their lives. Worrying makes us selfish, right? It it turns our focus inward. And that impacts relationships. Worrying affects our trust in God. And I think this is really why Jesus told us not to worry, because worry is all about trust, right? That's the root of it. That's the foundation when you get down to it. And what worry does is it causes us to take control of things in our lives. See, if you could change those habits, those things, those, if you could control those areas that you needed to change or you needed to control, you would have done it by now. But we looked at that last week, right? We can't. And so one of the consequences, one of the results is that we worry about it. And so what happens is that we try to set goals. We try to take control of the outcomes. And then we ask God to, to show up and bless those things, right? Or to at least fix it when it starts to go sideways in our lives. And when it leads to worry, because I'm, I'm really hoping that it's going to work out. And then it leads to fatigue because I'm trying to control things that I'm not big enough to control. And it usually ends up in guilt when we fail. Bottom line is we just don't trust God to control our lives. But what if we change that? What if instead we, we followed God's priorities, God's goals for our lives? We let him be in control of things. And then we just simply join him for the ride. I remember Rick Warren teaching uh, these four things about worry that I thought were so good. I wanted to share them with you. The first is this, worry is unreasonable. It really is, right? Jesus is saying here that if it's not going to last, then don't worry about it, right? If it's not something that's going to last, then it's not something that you should worry about. To worry about something that you can change is foolish because if you can change it, then go ahead and change it, right? So that's, that's foolish. To worry about something that you can't change is useless, and so either way, it's unreasonable to worry. Worry is, it's essentially, it's, it's a control issue, right? We're trying to control something that is uncontrollable. We can't control the economy, so we worry about it. We can't control our kids, so we worry about them. We, we can't control the future, so we worry about it. 
But worry never solves anything. In fact, Rick used to say this, it's, it's stewing without doing, right? Like that's, that's basically all we're doing is that we're just kind of sitting there. You're not doing anything. You're not changing anything. We're just stewing in it. See, I think there's, there's greater sins listed in the Bible, but I don't know that there's any that are as disabling as worry. I think that's why Jesus didn't say, hey, try not to worry, right? I mean, it's okay if you worry about, about certain things or if you could cut the 14.3 hours a week down to just a couple of hours, right? Like that'd be okay, right? Jesus didn't say that. He said, he said there's none, right? Don't worry. And I know it's easier said than done. And I get that that may even seem unrealistic, right, to, to some of us. How do we do this? Well, look at verse 26. Here's what Jesus said. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Here's the second thing. Worry is, it's unnatural. It's unnatural for us to worry. See, the only thing in all of God's creation that worries is people. We're the only ones, right? Of all that God has created, we're the only ones that don't trust him enough, right? That's it. It's just us. And God says that that's so unnatural, right? Like that's not the way that this was intended to be. If God cares about and provides for the birds and you're more valuable than they are, then can't we be confident that God's going to take care of us? It, doesn't, it just makes sense, right? That God wants us to find our confidence, not in what we do, Right? That our identity isn't found in, in our looks or our stuff or our success. Right? It's not in our status or what other people say or think about us. That's not where we found, find our identity. That's not where our confidence should come from. It comes from who God says we are. Because when we're confident in our identity in Christ, when we're confident in who God says we are, then we're going to trust that God is going to provide for us. So I think this is one of the secrets to dealing with worry because God chose us. He made us in his image to be in a relationship with him. In fact, I want to show you some truths from the Bible of what God has said about you. These are true about you. If you can own these things, if you can believe them and put them into practice in your life every single day, I think it, it changes how we see everything. Here's one. I've been chosen by God and adopted as his child. Ephesians 1, 3. It says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and his will. I mean, how amazing is that? You've been chosen by God and you have been adopted into, into his family when you put your trust in, in Jesus, right? Now, I, I can't relate to the whole adoption thing. I, I wasn't adopted, so I, I, can't, I can't firsthand relate to it. And I know, I know in, in, in rooms this size, at whatever campus you're at this weekend, right, I know that not everyone had a good experience with this. But I think this is still an amazing truth. If you can look past your experience to understand that the God who knows everything the all-powerful God chose you to be in a relationship with him. And as a result of that, as a child of God, you get all of the benefits that come with that. Here's another one. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and self-discipline. That's what 2 Timothy 1.7 says. It says, for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. See, 365 times, I don't know if you're aware of this, in the, in the Bible, it has some form of do not be afraid, right? One for every day. And I know what the worriers are thinking. You're like, well, Donnie, what about a leap year? 
I've got nothing for that, right? Okay, so, so once every four years, you found the loophole. Once every four years, go ahead and worry as much as you want to worry, right? Like, uh, that's your one day to do it. But God doesn't make us timid. It says that God doesn't make us afraid. Therefore, there's no reason for us to ever worry. Worry is not from God. And so don't play God by adding it to your own life, right? Don't, don't add it to situations where it doesn't need to be. If I have power and love and self-discipline that comes from God, then what do I need to worry about? Here's another one. I'm God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. See, I believe that God is perfect. Otherwise, he's not worth following, right? He's not worth worshiping or or believing in. And I'm not brilliant, but it seems reasonable to me that, that if God is perfect, it means that he doesn't make mistakes, right? So you're not an accident. You're not a mistake. And, and I get, right, that you may not have been planned by your earthly parents, but you were never a surprise to God. In fact, it says that he has good things that were planned for you long ago before he created anything. He had a plan for you, for your life, right? We live in this broken world and, 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 and I get it. We're broken people, right, because of our sin. And you may not like the situation that you were born into, but none of that changes how God sees us. Even in our brokenness, he didn't walk away. He chose to love you. He chose to adopt you. He says that you're special, that you're important, that you are, you're a masterpiece to him. Here's the last one. I may approach God with freedom and confidence. Ephesians 3.12 says this, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence, right? Like I'm not gonna get into what other faiths may believe about this, right? Here's what I read when I read this passage. You have direct access to the God who created everything. Right, the God that is in control of everything through a relationship with Jesus. You can't be too bad to lose it. You weren't good enough to earn it, right? It has nothing to do with you. It's, it's just done. Jesus did it all. You simply put your trust in him. You trust him with your life. God loves you perfectly. See, worry is, it's unreasonable and it's unnatural. And then look at what Jesus said in verse 27. I love this. He said, can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? I love the sarcasm that Jesus uses here, right? I think it's a spiritual gift and I I think Jesus had it, right? He's like, guys, seriously, right? Like try, worry really hard. See if you can add some more time to your life, right? No, is it not working for you? It doesn't work for you because in fact, it's the opposite. It's just gonna kill you faster. That's That's what it's gonna do. When we worry about something, we put ourselves through the same physiological state as if the event was actually happening to us, right? Like this is, scientists have proven this. Our brains are smart enough to know the difference between something that's really happening and something that, that's just been imagined that you're making up. But our nervous system, it doesn't know the difference. And so worry puts our bodies into a state of emergency, right? It goes into the whole fight or, or flight mode. Our blood pressure rises, our heartbeat races, our palms begin to sweat, our stomachs begin to create more acid, right? To deal with the stuff that's in there, which is why chronic warriors end up with, with ulcers because our bodies don't know the difference between a real emergency and something that we just made up in our heads. Worry is unhelpful. It doesn't change anything. Right? When you worry about a problem, it doesn't bring you one inch closer to the situation or to the solution. It's kind of like a rocking chair, right? There, there's a lot of motion. There's a lot of action. There's a lot of activity, a lot of energy happening, but you're not moving anywhere, right? Like you're just in place like, with no progress at all that's happening. Worry doesn't change anything except you. It just makes you miserable. Verse 28. So Jesus said this, and why do you worry about clothes? 
See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? See, Jesus shows us here why we don't need to worry ever that we don't ever have to worry. And he uses a couple of examples. And my guess is that as he's teaching in this sermon, right, on this mountainside, that there were some birds that were flying by. He's like, do you guys see those birds flying by? Do you see the flowers, the wildflowers that are growing over there in the, in the field? Do you see those things? God provides everything that they need. They don't have to earn anything. They don't wake up in the morning with a, a to-do list, right? There's, they don't have to go get a job. They don't have to worry about retirement. They're completely dependent on God. Even Solomon, as wise as he was, as rich as he was, as good looking as he was in his Louis Vuitton suit, his Cole Haan shoes, right? He, he looked good, right? But, but compared to what God created, no, nothing. Worry is unnecessary. That's the last one. It's unnecessary. See, if you trust in God, then you just don't need to worry. Why? Because he has promised to take care of all of your needs. In fact, it says this in, in Philippians 4:19, And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Donnie, does, does that include bills? Yep. What about relational conflicts, right? Does, does that include that? Yeah, it, it does. How about my dreams or my goals, my ambitions for the future, right? The things that I just don't know, does it, does it include that? Yeah, it does, includes that too. What about the health issues and, and the things that I have that I don't even know what to do about them? I don't know how to handle them. Does it include that? Yeah, it includes that too. See, God will meet all of your needs in Christ. So you don't have to worry about it. I love this quote. There isn't enough room in your mind for both worry and faith. You must decide which one will live there. There's only room for one. Verse 31. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them. See, if you don't have a relationship with God, then you have every reason to worry. You've got to get to know God. See, putting your trust in Jesus, this isn't just a like after you die kind of thing, right? This is a it matters now kind of thing. It impacts everything for you. And for those of us that have put our trust in Jesus, then you have to remember you have a heavenly father that loves you and has promised to take care of you. You are God's child. And with that comes incredibly special privileges. See, anytime you take God out of the center of your life and you put anything else there, as great as it might be, it's gonna cause you to worry because that's not what's intended to be at the center of your life. Look at this, verse 33. Jesus said this, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Maybe you've been in a place where you've been going through something difficult or something, something devastating in your life. And maybe you've had someone in your life, probably with great intentions, probably that hopefully that loved you a lot. Maybe they've said something like, hey, God won't give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that in your life? I think it's one of the worst things that we could ever say to someone, especially when they're in a place of needs. Truth, all of life is more than we can handle, right? Like, there's nothing in my life that I feel like I can handle on my own. God's plan is not that we just try really hard and, and, and we pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and we just carry our stuff around, right? Like that was never God's plan. It was instead that we give up, that we quit, that we surrender to him because that's what faith is all about. See, everything is more than I can handle, but it is never more than what Jesus 
can handle. And so if you're worrying about tomorrow, the, the problem with that is that you can't enjoy today and you're missing one of the greatest gifts that God has ever given you. You can't trust God and worry at the same time. You just can't. You can't do both of those things. Let me give you two things. Two things to do when you're tempted to worry this week, right? That I think will help you. The first is this, is you ask yourself three questions. And I really believe if you ask yourself these three questions, right, that, that they're, they're gonna quickly put whatever situation that you're worrying about, they're gonna put it in the right light. In fact, I, I tested it this week um, with Laura. And so we were going through some stuff and she was starting to worry about some things. And, and, and so I asked her these three questions and it worked. And then, so I know, I know it's good. It's, it's been proven and, and tested. But let me just say this though. This, these three questions, they're not gonna automatically fix your problems. They're not automatically gonna make your situation better, but they are gonna help you to stop worrying about it. Here's the first one. Do you believe that God cares about you? You ask yourself that question. Do I believe that God cares about me? First Peter 5, 7 says this, give all your worries and cares to God for he cares about you, right? So there's your answer. Yes, he does. Do you believe that though? Do you believe that God has your best interest in mind and, and in his heart? Because if you do, then you can quickly and confidently hand over all of your worries and all of your cares to him. The, the, the fact that God cares about you, it doesn't just mean that God's just watching what's happening in your life. And it doesn't mean that he's just present with whatever it is that you're going through. Although both of those things are true. What it means is that he is there to help you and that he wants the very best for you in every circumstance, in every situation. See, Jesus proved this. Didn't he prove it through his, his life and his death and his resurrection? I mean, he gave up his rights. He gave up his privileges as God to become human, to become like us. And then the Bible says that he experienced everything that you have ever experienced. There's nothing that you're gonna go through that, that Jesus hasn't experienced himself. But then he took it another step further and he suffered and he died on a cross, right? The, the worst form of punishment and death that his creation could come up with, right? Like that, that's what we did to him. And, and even though he was innocent and even though he was perfect, he took your sin my sin, the sin of the entire world upon himself. And instead he gave us his, his righteousness. And for the first time ever, he was separated from his father until his resurrection. Like Jesus went through all of that for you and, and for me. You don't ever have to wonder, right? God has already given you his very best. So he's not gonna leave you alone now, he cares. Here's the second question. Do you believe that God has a plan? See, God has a purpose for everything. God has a plan for you. Do you trust that his plan is better? Do you trust that his plan is perfect? Right? Because common sense says that if you could control your future, you would have done it by now, but, but you can't. And so if you answered, yes, I believe that God cares about me, then I think you can also trust that his plan for you is best. Again, let me be clear. That doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean that your life is gonna be comfortable. It doesn't mean that you get what you want whenever you want it. That's not what God promised. But even when you want to worry about someone else's decision or you wanna worry about something that, that you can't even control, you can trust that God will work it out for good in your life. Third question is this, do you believe that he needs you to do it? See, this is really a, this is really a sovereignty issue. Can God use you? Absolutely. Right? God wants to use you every single day of your life. God is, is there to, to use you. Does God need you? Absolutely not. Right? There's a big difference between the two. So you get to be a part of what God is doing in this world. But God is God. Right? He gets to do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants to, to do it. He doesn't need us. We can rely on the fact that God never does bad things. 
That's the result of our choices. That's the result of us breaking the, the perfect creation that, that he created. But even when bad things happen, we can rest on the, on the fact that God isn't surprised and it is never beyond anything that he can do about it. See, if God doesn't need you, then you don't need to worry about handling your part of it, right? Like God doesn't need you for that. And so let me, let me say this. If you answer to those three questions, yes, yes, no, then just simply let it go, right? If you answered, yes, I believe that God cares about me. Yes, I believe that God has a plan for my life. And no, God doesn't need me to do it. Then let it go and let God do what he wants to do in and through your life. Stop playing God and just trust him that in whatever circumstance or situation you are facing, he is going to do what's best. Here's the second thing. You ask others to help. This weekend, we're, we're giving you a chance to get connected um, with a group of people to do life with. And we call it a small group here because that's what it is, right? It's a small group of people that you, you get to do life with, people that, that, that need encouragement and need hope and need love and need help just like you do. And so you get to surround yourself with people that are gonna hold you accountable and, and help you when time gets tough. See, worry gets out of control when we try to deal with it by ourselves. I don't know if you've ever tried this, but there is something powerful, right? When, when worry is inside, when it's just in my head, when I'm just playing those conversations over and over and over again, they get huge, right? They get massive and, and I get so afraid at times. When I say them out loud to somebody else, most of the time I'm embarrassed by what I'm saying, right? You say that worry out loud and you play that scenario and you're like, ah, oh, that seems kind of weird, right? That probably won't happen, will it? No, it probably 85% of the time won't, won't happen, right? And so you need to have people in your life to, to help you with this to deal with it together. And I know some of you are worried about getting into a small group, right? Or worried about getting with the right people. Don't worry about those things, right? We wanna help you get connected with people that you can begin to do life with. And then we'll journey with you and help you destroy this, this worry heart that we have at times. See, you can't trust God and worry at the same time. Imagine what this would look like in our lives if we could put this away, right? If we could begin to trust God with all of those things, imagine how it would impact your family if worry was removed, imagine the, the extra 14 hours a week that you could invest in, into relationships, invest into other people, invest into ministry where you're not worrying anymore. Uh, imagine that you, you'd sleep better, you'd be healthier, you'd have better relationships, you'd be more productive, you'd experience that thing called joy that maybe you've experienced at certain times in your life, but maybe for some of us, we haven't seen in a long, long time. Next week, we're gonna finish the series. We're gonna answer one more question. How much does it cost? We're gonna talk about decisions, how we make decisions that, that honor God and point us in the right direction in our lives, the direction that we want to go in. But let's pray together. Father, I admit that often I forget that you're with me. God, I often forget what you're like. Would you please forgive me for that? I need to get to know you better. I need to get to know your word and your promises better. Help me to put you first in every area of my life. Help me to live one day at a time. Help me to not worry about tomorrow. But God, instead, focus on what you're doing in my life right now. I wanna trust in your promise to take care of every one of my needs. God, financial, relational, physical, social, spiritual, emotional, whatever those things are. God, will you help me to trust you more and to worry less? I pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message. We are so excited to be a small part of the great things God is doing in and through your life. 
If you'd like to take the next step in your spiritual journey, download our app to find ways to connect, opportunities to serve, and other resources. And if you'd like to contribute financially to our vision of reaching the triangle and changing the world, visit us at gethope.net slash giving. Thank you for your commitment to resourcing hope as we love people where they are and encourage them to grow in their relationship with Jesus. 